Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, alright, it's that time of week again. The Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is back to own your podcast needs. That's right, because we are the greatest podcast. It is not an opinion. It's science. And with me this week is... Yeah, science, bitches! That's right. The gravity of his finger pulling up that tab... That's yeah, it's, pure gravity. That's you, right. I understand you don't even do anything. You just put your finger there and gravity pulls it up because, well, gravity always acts that way toward alcoholics. Yeah, pure energy. Yes, and uh, that's Ian Wally. I am Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck. And this is, uh, we're finally going to answer, you know, a lot of people out there ask us, when are you going to do a Deep Purple review? When are you going to do a Deep Well, oh, here we go, here we go. We're doing it. But, you know, I don't know about you, Ian, but, you know, I like picking what we review. And it is nice that people suggest, but seriously, how would you feel if I was to go to your house going, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? You know, after a while, it's like, yo, man, just kick back. You love our podcast. What we pick, you're going to like. And if you don't like it, listen anyway or fuck you. Right, Ian? Hello. That's Ian's way of saying, fuck you too. Anyway, so uh, how you doing, Ian? Not too shabby. How about yourself? Oh, I'm pretty good. Tomorrow I'm going to see uh, the Motley Crue uh, farewell tour with Alice Cooper. And a good friend of mine hooked me up with this VIP thing for Alice Cooper where not only am I, I mean, come on, I'm going to meet Alice Cooper. And they said, I can only bring four things to get signed. Shit, that's awesome. Four things to get signed. I don't fucking I, bring me. I don't mind bringing four things. I, I, I have millions, millions of things. I'll just pick my four favorite things to get signed. But check this out. He also said that I am going to be able to go up on stage during the final song and throw balloons out during the last song. Yeah, How cool is out. that? That's awesome. It's awesome, but you know, the one thing that bothers me is, God, I hope somebody gets pictures of me up on stage with Alice Cooper. I'm kind of like, everybody I've asked so far that are going, they're like, well, I got shitty seats. It's like nobody I know has got good seats. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but our Hasidic hero, Stephen Kirsch, will be there, and hopefully he uh, he gets some something captured. He told me he has shitty seats, too. Oh, who's he kidding? He's rich. Oh well, well maybe he he's be... maybe he's rich and cheap. Yeah, they are cheap, you well, little thrifty bastard. <laughs> maybe he took one of those like uh, nosebleed seats, you know, to save money for you know, you know, you know the hot pool, the hot tub costs money, you know, the heater in the hot tub. He's trying to save some money for that. Maybe that's the deal. I don't know. But will he see me and become f- afraid of me again? He Just kidding. Not. Just kidding. I don't think he is going to see me, actually. I mean, because here's the deal. I'm going to the show. I'm seeing Alice Cooper. I'm meeting Alice Cooper. And this is how it works. I'm actually going to meet Alice Cooper after he plays. And I don't know if that's going to interfere with me missing any of Motley Crue. 
Not that I really care. I'll catch as much crew as I can, but I need to get to work tomorrow night because I cannot afford days off. So I'm jetting right after the show straight to work. It's very close to my job, very close to my house, this place. So I should, I'll probably get to work a little late. Fuck it, let them write me up. You know, because I'm never going to be late again. So, you know, that write-up goes away in a year. And I, hopefully nobody from my job is listening. But they aren't. That's the thing. You know, I want to bring up an interesting point, Ian. And I want you to interject with me. Yes, sir. Um, you know how Facebook cracks down on people that don't use their real names? Yes. I mean, that happened to me. I was there as Dr. Fuck. That, yeah, this was like, I was one of the first ones they got, you know? So I had to change my name to my real name. And a lot of people are leaving Facebook because of that. There's a lot of people that are, are like paranoid. Like, oh man, what if they, you know, why is it that they want my real name and blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody thinks there's that important that people will be spying on you. Let me tell you something. If you got something to hide, good. Fuck it, let them spy on you. I got nothing to hide. Well, yeah, I mean, that sucks because, you know, at first, because of my job, I didn't want to go by my real name, so I went by Jared, the subway guy. You did? Yeah, it turns out now, bad mistake. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, eat fresh, you know? But, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it, it sucks, but there's a lot of... See, I deal a lot with the, with the Facebook page, with, with our Facebook page. And every day I have to get rid of these fake people that they just want to come on the site and sell Ray-Ban sunglasses and stuff like that. And I'm getting really good at detecting who's real and who's not. But man, it, it really is a pain in the ass, all these fake accounts. And you can tell because they just joined Facebook like a day ago and they have no friends. And they it's usually a guy's name and it's a picture of an Asian girl. It's All, all this shit's coming out of fucking, uh, you know, China or Korea or, or some shit. It's weird. It's weird. They're infiltrating the web. What are you going to do? Well, what I do is I order all those Ray-Bans. When I see that shit, I'm like, damn, I got to get those. Oh, fuck. I need to sell Ray-Bans then. Yeah, man. I'm all, I, I, have, I have a closet full of Ray-Bans because they sucker me, man. When I see them on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Facebook page, I'm like, what a bargain. And, you know, I and, and plus I find I find Billy, uh, you know, uh, or I mean Carl. A real uh, be a real hot Asian chick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you know that that enticed me too. Yeah, I I can't wait to find out who Justin Childers really is. Uh, unfortunately, he's Justin Childers. Ah oh, shit! Oh, what a letdown. I'm I'm kidding. You know what? I I know I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but I am gonna expose Justin Childers. I mean, it's kind of obvious. I don't know how anybody doesn't realize who this is. I mean, come on. Put two and two together. Does anybody really like Adrian Smith? Come on. That's I, Adrian Smith. I, I, me and Josh Carlson and Justin do. I think that's it. No, 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 no. You don't. You're just pretending. I know no, you... No, I, I do, but I don't like him enough to listen to his solo shit like Josh Carlson. You're a jokester, Ian. You and Josh. Justin Childers is Adrian Smith. Nice. And a lot of people don't know this. I'm actually Dennis Stratton. Nice. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, we uh, we got any news? I got I got some news. But I'll let you go news first. 
All right. Well, first and foremost, we are recording this early because I have a rock and roll weekend. This you got a rock and roll week. I got a rock and roll weekend. I'm going to see the same Motley Crue, Alice Cooper for the second time on Friday. Then I'm driving to fucking Houston to see uh, Saxon and Motorhead, and then I come back to New Orleans on Sunday morning to see Saxon again. So we're recording early, but this is what I got so far on Tuesday. And first and foremost, we gotta pay respects to Mr. Wes Craven, who passed away sadly Sunday night. Yeah, that uh, sucks. Yeah, uh, you know, made a lot of, you know, not all of them were gems, but he was responsible for a lot of great horror movies and very important to the genre. I only like Nightmare, to tell you the truth. Really? What else did he do? Uh, Last House on the Left. The uh, I, I, I don't remember that one. I know that one's good, but I barely remember yeah, it. Yeah, famous dick-biting scene. Uh, and did the original Hills Have Eyes? Okay, that was good, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you know, did, you know, Serpent in the Rainbow, People Under the no, Stairs. No, I didn't like that one. Uh, Shocker. Uh, oh, that was horrible. Yeah, he did, uh, you know, Scream. Oh. And, and uh, I, I loved the first one. Uh, let's see, what else did he do? Curse? I mean, there's some other stuff, but just... He was important to the genre. Was he John Carpenter? No, but he was still important. It doesn't and, uh, matter to me how bad this guy did movies. He did the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Right there, that disqualifies all his bad movies, and it makes him a freaking genius. Because that movie right there is one of the greatest movies ever made. True story. Ever. True story. So we want to pay our respects to Wes Craven. Uh, Rest he in was peace. 76 years old. That's a good life. Unfortunately, died of brain cancer. Damn. And as we all know, cancer sucks and uh, yeah. a, a, a sad loss. You know, you know, Michael Bay will probably live forever. You know, and that's not fair. Who's that? Oh, he's a horrible director. He does all the Transformers shit in Pearl Harbor. He does shitty movies, real shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm really behind po uh, popular culture. I'm, I'm just so behind on that shit. Pop culture. I I, I, I still feel like Jaws is a new movie. <laughs> uh, which will probably be remade soon. Just like, did you hear, uh, they just announced Dirty Harry is getting No, that, that turned out to be a, a hoax. And thank God for that. What? I did not hear that. That's, that, yeah. that's not true? With it's, not true. it's not true. It's not true. Thank good. God. Thank God. I fell for it. Because I was like, look, I'm the kind of guy that... Uh, there are times I get bothered by remakes like like I, a lot of a lot of my friends liked the, the Evil Dead remake I thought it was horrendous I liked and it. I, I real I know a lot of people do like it I just thought it was so bad it was like all of a sudden it was like oh oh uh, we, I'm a heroin junkie it became like emo dead I, I just couldn't get into it and the girl is like ash you know I, whatever uh, that one bothered me. The Nightmare on Elm Street one with, uh, which I love that actor, Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, I love him, but that was horrible. That was a horrible movie, but that's a great actor. Oh, yeah, he's real good. Uh, I loved him in The Watchmen. I thought he was great in The Watchmen. Yeah, he did a lot of cool movies. Uh, uh, I, I just think he's an excellent uh, actor. First but and foremost, he's fucking Kelly Leak. In Kelly the Leak from the Bad News Bears, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and you ever saw the movie Losing It? Yes. Oh, yes. that, I, that was Tom Cruise's first movie, I believe. Yeah. I a lot of people don't know that movie. Check it out, Losing It. From the 83, Shelley Long, Tom Cruise, Jackie Earl Haley. 
It's um, fucking hilarious. He is so funny in that fucking movie. Going to get the tuck and roll. Yeah, all he wants is to get laid and to go to Mexico. And, <laughs> and to get the Spanish fly. <laughs> and his little brother. <laughs> it was... Yeah, that's a great, great movie, man. I highly recommend it. Which, which, to him, I always think of Bad News Bears when he's like, he goes up to the old chick, he's like, I got a motorcycle. You like Harley Davidson? That, yeah, that's that's the first one, right? Yeah, oh, he was he was just a badass. The first yeah, Bad News yeah. Bears, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I love that fucking movie. You know, the remake wasn't that bad, speaking of remakes. I've Did still you? never watched it. I can't bring myself to watch you it. You know, it wasn't bad. It was actually... You know, uh, uh, what's his name? Played Buttermaker. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. He was great. He was an alcoholic, just like Walter Matthau. He was funny. He was but, funny. Oh, I, I, my God. Walter Matthau in that movie. And, and for people who have never seen the original, yeah. geez, they could never make that movie today like the original was, was made. The original was better. I'm not going to lie. It was better. And the guy that put Clay, Carrie, Kelly Leak was... Not that great. He was like a pretty boy. Kelly Leak is supposed to be like weird looking, you know? But, right. you know, and the girl that played, I don't know. I mean, the most, but as a whole, I thought, oh, the kid that played Tanner was great in the newer one. He captured the original Tanner perfectly. What about uh, Engelbert? Uh, yeah, Engelbert, uh, well, forgettable. Forgettable. Yeah. Not like the original. Yes, the <laughs> original is better, but it is not one of those remakes that really dis. It's like, oh, why they redo it? It actually had some. There, I won't give it away, but they put a they put a little scene in there that's not an original. That in, it, it involves a dwarf, and it's freaking hilarious. You gotta fucking see that. Anyway, um, Buttermaker, don't give me none of your honky bullshit. <laughs> it's a great, great movie. Yeah, but I I own the original on DVD, not on Blu-ray yet. But yeah. it is, I, I will get it. I also like Breaking Training a lot because it's nostalgic to me. I love and, breaking training. And um Ghost but of I didn't, Japan I, I, I didn't like that one. The yeah, Ghost of Japan. Funny. Like Kelly Leak, a love story. Yeah. No, it, it just didn't work. But uh, oh well, rest in peace was Craven. That's what we yeah. were all talking about. Yeah. Uh, we got and, any any more news? Yeah, now out of movie news and into music news, uh something nice uh chart wise, even though you don't have to sell dick to make the top of the charts anymore, unfortunately. But Ghost's new album debuted in the top ten, which is pretty uh, pretty surprising and pretty awesome. Are they still on Metal Blade? No, they. I don't. I don't think they are on Metal Blade. Are they? They were. I oh. think. Yeah, the first album was. Was it? Okay, they probably are then. Uh, but yeah, top ten for for something like that that is such like a little niche thing, you know. Uh, Love it. The, the new album, I still don't like it as much as the first album, but I like it better than the second album. And uh, it don't matter because I'm seeing them in October. And they were, I already saw them once and they were incredible. Something I thought that was cool when I bought the tickets for the show, they sent me a thing. They gave me a free download of the album anyway. They gave it away as a thank you to people who bought, you know, those tickets. I thought that was pretty neat. That is cool. So, uh, yeah, Ghost, uh, Bully You. All right, and then here's something that does, uh, man, I, I, I hope I don't run into trouble with this, but Motorhead just put out a fine new album that I'm really enjoying. Uh, just came out the other week and uh, had to cancel two shows already. Lemmy had to cancel a show in Salt Lake City saying that uh, Thin Air was responsible for giving him 
a hard time. And a lot of people, athletes, everybody, when you're in higher altitudes, you know, it, it, it can affect you, especially if you already have health issues. And not surprising, he ended up canceling the next show, which was in Denver, which is an even higher altitude by a lot. Uh, but, you know, when I bought these tickets, you know, my buddy that's going with me, he's like, oh, shit, man, I hope Lemmy don't fucking cancel. I hope Lemmy don't fucking cancel. Well, I'm hoping these couple days off is, is what he needed, and he's fine for our show in Houston, because uh, I'm so excited. I've, I've, uh, I've, you know, I'm guilty of one of those. I, no, I now go and check set lists, so I know, like, when to piss. And, I uh, always do that. I always, always check you know, you know, I kind of miss being surprised, but then I do like knowing just for that because it really does help me play it my. It gets history. me more excited when I see a song. Oh my God, they're playing this! Oh yeah, and I, and I, you know, I, I know they're playing Chase is better than the Catch. You know, one of my all-time favorite Motorhead songs. Unfortunately, they're not playing Bomber, which is another one of my favorites. But I, that's a hard, you know, that's a very aggressive song to sing. But the set list is great. Uh, I mean, and I, I saw uh, Saxons. And it's a great set list as well. But I've also seen the set list from, like, headline shows they're doing on their off day. And that's why I'm definitely going to see them the very next day here in New Orleans. Because as good as the set list is opening for uh, for Motorhead, it's so much better. The fucking, uh, the, you know, in a headline sense. So I'm checking out both shows because probably... You know, it, it, unless, you know, whenever I go to my honeymoon in Europe, I'll never see Saxon again. So I'm fucking taking every advantage I can. And, uh, you know, there's no reason not to, man. If Saxon comes around you a Motorhead, don't make no fucking excuses. Go to that shit. Because this shit ain't going to be around forever. We're lucky it's still here now. Even Biff Biford's like 64 now. So, you know, check that shit out. Yeah, but, I'm seeing Motorhead, but unfortunately not with uh, Saxon. Uh, you it's, get with an, it's with Anthrax, and, you know, I mean, Anthrax is good and all, but I, I, fuck that, man. I, I'll take Saxon over fucking Anthrax any day. Well, if you didn't have to go to Europe, you could have came here and saw it with me. All right, what else do we have in the news? All right, um, Eric Singer came out and said that he was never asked to sing, play, or act like Peter Chris. Oh, my God. I saw this, and I thought to myself... Is Eric Singer, like, catching the Paul Stanley flu or something? Is he becoming douchey like Paul Stanley all of a sudden? Because this ain't the first stupid thing he said. Well, he's become very outspoken lately. More so that you never hear shit that much about Tommy talking about this. But uh, Eric's been very vocal last couple months saying, you know, people get over it. It's just a fucking band. It's just music. No. He, he, he doesn't understand why people get mad about no, the makeup. No, he understands. He understands. Let me tell you something, Ian. I predict this, okay? Many years from now, when he writes a book and Kiss is long gone, he will write that it was, he feels bad. Look, in retrospect, yes, I, it wasn't good that I dressed up like Peter Kirk. I wasn't happy about that. Blah, blah, blah. You know how you always hear about how people aren't happy about certain eras of a band? But yet, during that era, they're as happy as could be. I have a feeling that guy is not happy having to put on Peter Chris's makeup. There's just no way, because this is Eric Singer. This is a guy that has a great body of work. Black Sabbath, you know, Ford, Badlands, Alice Cooper, you know, uh, Kiss, you know, without makeup. 
now he's like, come on. It, look, it would be so nice if he was listening right now because he knows I'm telling the truth. And other thing, you, you really are a bitch. I'm sorry. You're a bitch. You're, you're, you're dressed like Peter Chris, And they never told you what to do. So it was... So, so out of out of your ass, you said, "Oh, let me go up on stage and sing fucking Beth." Give me a break. That is you being Peter Chris. There's no other way around it. Am I right, Ian? Yes, you are right. And I found it very like at first I just laughed at the article. I didn't even read it. But then you know I was I was digging trying to come up with some news stories. I'm like, well, let me take a look at this. So I'm reading, and he says, "Yes, they never asked me to sing." play or act like Peter Chris. But if you go all the way to the bottom, he does say at the end, he's like, but I was told if anybody's asked, my name is Peter Chris. So, <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, all right. Nice, nice little, uh, what is it? What is it? A nice little rock and roll over Peter Chris patch on your <laughs> fucking vest, you bitch. Yeah, I know there's a lot of Kiss fans that are probably getting upset with me. I'm sorry, man. I'm not a fan of uh, this stupid makeup thing. I love Monster. I just hate the fact that this guy's dressed like Peter Chris and Frank and Ace. Fuck it, man. What else? All right. Well, uh, <laughs> you'll laugh at this because I know you hate the fucking band. But uh, Mark Torian or Torkin or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. The lead singer from the Bullet Boys got arrested over this past weekend in Tampa once again, and this happened two years ago, almost to the day in Tampa for uh, for failure to pay child support. So I'm thinking he did like a show at the Brass Mug and knocked some chick up, and now every time he goes back, man, the cops are waiting for him, man. They hauled him off again. What is it about Florida and deadbeat dads? Right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. My mother wants to know the question, too. Alright, alright. I, I may, you know, I don't know if this episode is aired yet. Uh, oh yeah, no, no, it hasn't. But there is going to be a future episode where we had a guest on and I was goofing on him from where he lives and then he brought up the fact that Florida is a state full of deadbeat dads. And I jokingly said, hey, yeah, like me. I'm not a deadbeat dad. I don't have no kids. At least not what I'm uh, aware of. Anyway. Uh, that's funny. I'll tell you something funny. I don't know. You know this about that guy. What's his name from Bullet Boys? Mark Torkin or Torian or some shit like that. Did you know that he was almost Ozzy Osbourne's lead guitar player? Yes, sir. I'm shocked. He must be amazing on guitar. You know? I mean, yeah. I didn't even know the guy played guitar. You know, you know who's a good guitar player? Don Dockin. No shit. I had no yeah. idea. Go on YouTube and look up this really early show when they had Juan Cruchet in the band. They were on like some German TV show doing a full concert with George Lynch. And there's a part where Don Dockin does a solo and he's amazing. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Look uh, it up. It's pretty uh, cool. All right. All right. Our final news story of the week. They finally, well, I got one after this one. All right. They finally started releasing some details on these the 50th anniversary uh, remasters and re-releases of the Scorpions albums. Oh, yeah. And, man, does it look amazing. Yeah, but it's not every album, is it? No, no, that I was disappointed in. It's only eight albums. It's, yeah, uh, I that shit. It, it's taken by force through savage amusement. But yeah, I don't like that. I already own that. But 
five of them are coming with a with an extra DVD as well. Oh, yeah. And I hope Taken by Force is one of them. No, it's not. What? Yeah. And Taken by Force has those amazing videos. Yeah. Well, so far, they don't have all. They haven't released everything. Uh, you know, as far as bonus, here's the ones that I do have info on. Uh, Blackout is getting released with a DVD. And then oh, that's cool. And, that's a great line uh, era. And that has video clips and uh, all kinds of like different concert stuff. And it also has like five or six unreleased demos and unreleased songs. Oh, with Don Dockin? That I don't know. That I don't that know. That would be wild. All right, Love It First Sting comes out with a DVD that has a live at Madison Square Garden in 1984. Uh, it would have been nice if they released it with uh, that, remember the Worldwide Live video? Well, hold on. We haven't got there yet. All right. Uh, and then there's another, uh, okay, I'm sorry. The live at Madison Square Garden is an audio disc. The, the DVD has video clips and it has them playing some German uh, TV shows and Monsters Rock. Also, Worldwide Live comes with uh, with uh, bonus tracks and stuff that you can only get on VHS and all kinds of shit. And Savage Amusement comes with a bunch of bonus tracks and video clips. But uh, so so Worldwide Live brings the Worldwide Live video. The... Well, that that's what I'm kind of sketchy on. It shows. Uh, it, it shows like two discs of audio and songs that weren't originally on the album but were on the video and then I think one of the bonus ones is the worldwide live video I could be wrong I hope so because that was really well made and they, they they haven't released the info yet for the other uh, for, for the 70 stuff like Tokyo tapes I don't know what the bonus is for that I don't know what the bonus is for animal magnetism or taken by force you got one last story? Yeah, I saw this news article today uh, online. Uh, Bruce Dickinson came out. Hey, you know, it's the old, tired, uh, you know, uh, record industry shit. Bruce Dickinson has a couple kids that are now in bands, and they got signed. And now they're, you know, they're in the process of, you know, releasing or recording this album. They're doing first some record company, and Bruce Dickinson's, you know, saying shit like, you know, it's messed up how... Um, you know, there, there's no future in music unless you, you're an Iron Maiden or some classic band. No new bands. You're not going to make a living. And it is true. Come on. I mean, Lars was right. Believe, you know, like it or not, look, I'm in a band, okay? And I sell pretty good. I'm not, I don't sell bad. But I'm like, I can't live off this, what I'm making. And if I was in a record company, it'd be even worse because the record company would take all my profits. I'm making all the profits myself and still, you know, I mean, all goes into the band, but the fact of the matter is, is that Bruce is right, man. This, to make music today, man, you better have a backup because nobody buys music. Nobody, everybody downloads, everybody steals, or if you're gonna download legally from Apple or Spotify or wherever the fuck, I don't know. Um, they don't pay well. I know that because they pay me like fucking really little. And I and people download my full album and I see like only a couple bucks. Not complaining, you know, because 
If you go, look, I'll give you an example too, and I don't care if anybody goes out and does this. If you go on Google and you type in Thrash or Die Poser Holocaust, you will find, I mean, I gave up, but seriously, it was over 80 pages of places you can download it for free. Now, I don't care if you download my music for free. I mean, the only thing I would ask is you spread it around, you know, share it with everybody. But I'm in a unique position where, you know, I'm financially secure with my with my job where my band members aren't. So it's unfortunate for them. It's unfortunate for anybody that wants to make a living being a musician. And if anybody out there, you download music, you are a thief, I'm sorry. But whatever, you know, I'm not telling you what you can and cannot do. I myself will take a downloaded album with no problem. But if I like it, I'm gonna go out and buy a physical copy. If I don't, it ends up in my recycle bin. All right, so uh, what do you say we get into the review? All right, I think we need a special guest for this to help us out. What do you say? Well, let's see. It's pre-recorded, so we'll, we'll talk about it right now in the magic of uh, the interwebs. Here we go. All right, Fireball, Deep Purple, the 1971 release from the classic uh, hard rock slash prototype metal band from England and speaking in England oh yes he's back by popular demand what I mean by popular demand is that I want him back and I am the popular one on this show so that's why yeah, yeah popular demand and that's no other than Luke Innes hey welcome back Luke hello hello it's good to be here again hell yeah hello, man back. I mean how cool is it we we, we review uh Deep Purple with somebody from England. Yeah, yeah, of course, and they're actually Deep Purple are from Hertfordshire, which isn't too far away from where I'm living at the moment. Oh, there so, you go, uh, wow. Very exciting. It's like if we were to review uh, uh, Living Color with somebody from Africa. Uh... <laughs> Am I going to be labeled racist for that? Oh, how dare you say black people are from Africa? They're actually from Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Is there a difference? Oh, how racist of me. People don't know this, but I am black from the waist down. That's what I was... I am, too, I am too, but in the back. In, in, in the front, I'm like an English boy with his foot cold. I mean, an uh, uh, Asian boy with his foot cold. Oh, right. I, I heard English. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's... Uh, well, hey, welcome back, Luke. Good to have you on the show again. Thanks. Great to be back. Uh, Great to uh, be back. Yep. Yeah, uh, even though Ian disagrees, he didn't want to hear about it. Uh, elder no, lover. Man. Elder lover. It's a joke. <laughs> Ian wanted. When I brought it up, Ian was like all excited. He said, "Yeah, man, let's have Luke back." So. Fuck yeah, we love you, Luke. Good to have you. Oh yeah, and, then, love and you guys too. And it's great to you know have you actually on a on an actual good podcast. You know. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and here you don't have to carry no extra weight. You know? Yeah. And, and, and oh, it's, it's nice to have a straight Englishman on here instead of Josh Carlson, who is notoriously gay. All right. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's a lot of things wrong with Josh Carlson. Let me Even tell you something. I want to say something to Josh Carlson. Um, me and him have had our problems. I've deleted him. He's back on my page, and he seems to be, every time I talk to him, Josh, honestly, you seem to be walking on eggshells with me. And I just got to say, I love that. Keep it up. 
Uh, all right, so uh, 1971's, uh, I, I got to tell you, I know how I discovered this album. And shit, I, 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 nobody can see us, but we all can see each other. And I wish I could have pulled it out, which I will while you guys yap. Uh, well, I actually have an original pressing of it. And when you see it, you're going to understand why it's an original pressing. Because it's so fucked up looking. But uh, I've had this album forever. It's a hand-me-down from my brother. My very first Deep Purple album, believe it or not, you know? Not 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 my favorite, but it's my first one. Uh, gotta tell you, man, it was something that I was not really something I would put on a lot. I would, I think I would just put on Fireball, the title track, and then just put on, you know, some Sabbath or something. But, you know, through the years, okay, I heard it all, and I got a very honest opinion on every track on here. I, and I, I usually don't take notes, but if you guys can see, I took notes for one, two, three, four songs. Because wow, look at you. Yeah, I never take notes for albums, yeah, but, you know. I actually caring about an episode. I like this. Well, no, it's not that I don't care. It's that every time we review an album, it's in my fucking DNA. And these songs are kind of like floating around in my DNA. They're, they're floating around in my sperm, in my, in my balls. And which I am aware of every one of the songs, but I just wanted to hear them again. And I took little notes because uh, that's just the way I am. Anyway, uh, I love the album. And uh, Luke, tell us how you discovered Fireball. Well, it's kind of um, by uh, sort of uh, by proxy, you know. I, um, my dad is is a big metal fan. He's he's like me. Um, he's not as much into like the heavier stuff, but I mean stuff like um, you know I heard Anthrax through my dad. And, uh, Deep Purple as well were another band and um, for a long long time I thought In Rock was my favourite Deep Purple album actually it's now Machine Head but I love this album as well and this uh, sort of trio of albums I would say this is the shit that you need from Deep Purple you need In Rock Fireball and Machine Head yes three must uh, yeah I agree uh, Ian uh, this one, uh, I got when they did the uh, remastered, man. Warner Brothers was doing a great job on uh, anniversary editions of the old Deep Purple albums. And uh, this is one I did, other than, you know, like songs I heard off of Greatest Hits compilations, I didn't really own the album, so I bought the remastered in 2000. And holy fuck was I blown away. Uh, I mean, I love Deep Purple, but until I bought this album, I was more, you know, greatest hits kind of guy you know uh dug him but wasn't like super into him and then once i bought this then i like okay i gotta have more and then i went back you know and got every deeper purple album and uh man, this is this incredible one i mean we'll save the overview for the the songs but uh an incredible one and i really enjoyed going back and listening to this like i do every episode uh i listened to the album multiple times you know, it's because some shit, even, even though I know it, you know, like I might have a different opinion now from when I first heard it. You know, sometimes I like it more. Sometimes I like it less. You know, uh, uh, a previous episode, Headless Cross, was a perfect example. An album I loved when it came out. And then when I had to re-listen to it, I was like, oh, God. You know, um, my opinion really changed. But on this, it just, I love it more and more every time I hear it. Uh, Deep Purple, Incredible Band. And it's part of my namesake. I was I was named after four Ians, 
I was named after Ian Gillen, Ian uh, Pierce, the drummer, uh, Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, and Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond. So uh, also the so, class, the classical composer, right? Ian Jackowski. Jackowski, yes, yes, Jackowski, the famous Polish uh, classical uh, guy. Yeah, Jackoff. Jackowski. Yeah. Uh, not not to cut you off. <laughs> But you know the second the second uh, deep purple I own was deepest purple, and let me tell you something. Anybody out there don't know your deep purple? That's a good that's a good greatest hits. Cause yeah, that, I have that. That really does do a good overview of Mach two and three, uh, and it, you know that's a I'm telling you, deepest purple really enticed me to go. Fuck, I want to hear burn the whole album. I want to hear you know the whole album with uh, you know uh, child in time and you know. That's a really good, enticing album. That's kind of like, you know, the gateway drug for Deep Purple. You know, that's like the marijuana of Deep Purple. Yeah. Use our Amazon link to buy that and then buy the whole discography using the Amazon link. Exactly. And, you know, I, I mean, we haven't really... We should talk about Deep Purple. Like, you know, that, that first era was psychedelic and weird, but it was really good. I loved, I like I loved the first three albums, you know. I loved uh, Rod Evans, you know, Nick Simpler. I mean... Those are some great albums, man. Book of Talis, Shades of Deep Purple, the self-title. Great, great album. Chasing Shadows, Amaretta. Some great, great, great songs on there, you know. What do you guys oh, yeah, think yeah, of yeah. the original Mach 1? Go ahead, Luke. Um, I, it, you see, even though um, I'm not the biggest fan of like psychedelic music, you know, my, my progressive rock tastes are very... Um, sort of uh simple you know i'm, I'm into like pink floyd and yeah. i and heard Rush, that's why uh, that's... parents broke up with you because you weren't yeah that's right yeah yeah um, <laughs> um uh like yeah it's a little bit on the the kind of um psychedelic side for me i'm not the hugest fan of that kind of um 60s psychedelia that's not really my thing but I mean, going into sort of in rock, um, from there on, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I haven't really got anything negative to say about Deep Purple. Um, I, I, I love the first era. I mean, it is what it is, and it is so different from what you come to know as Deep Purple. But I appreciate it for what it is, because I love 60s rock. I, I love the whole psychedelic shit. And, uh, but man, they, I mean, this band really, everybody knows, came to their own with the well, two lineup. That, that, that's one thing I, you know you always hear these purists say well I mean they, they were the best in the beginning I never hear that with Deep Purple everybody you know will point at Mach 2 it's a couple Mach 3 but people will point at Mach 2 as the best lineup you know the, 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 even 3 gets more respect than 1 which I agree oh, I too agree. I like 3 as well you know more I than more three. than 1 I, I, I love Mach 4 I love Come Taste the Band. I love the title. That's an amazing, which will be revealed eventually. Uh, reviewed. Oh, oh, yeah. Definitely, reviewed eventually, because that's another very underrated classic hard rock album that should be uh, should be more um, talked about. But, um, yeah, yeah, the Ian, when Ian Gill and Glover took over, they just became a different beast. It is a different band. It became a hard rock band prototype metal i mean geez i mean songs like fight of the rat and speed king and you know bloodsucker and you know uh, into the fire i mean that's pretty much metal it's just that black sabbath beat them to the punch 
you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, the prototype for metal, I mean, a lot of people talk about, and I agree, is Zeppelin, uh, Sabbath, and Purple. I mean, I really think, you know, you know, people throw in blue cheer and stuff like that, but to me, those three are the real prototypes. I mean, they came before, and they helped invent the genre that we fucking love and worship and is so important to all of us. I just and, don't uh, like that blue cheer gets, gets, uh, gets noticed but the Jimi Hendrix experience doesn't you know that bothers me because they were just yeah. as heavy I, I agree I agree I love I love Hendrix but I see him more in, in my mind excuse me is a heavy well I mean I guess they're all heavy blues but I just see more of the bluesy side of Hendrix yeah but then you have songs like Spanish Castle Magic Voodoo Child I mean that's just that's just, just as heavy as anything Blue Cheer did, you know? I, I agree. I agree. But where, uh, you know, I think Hendrix had a lot more variety where, you know, Blue Cheer pretty much just had that one thing. I mean, they were, were just loud. They were fucking loud as fuck and, and aggressive for that time, you know? But, I mean, I mean, I mean seriously, if you're going to talk about Hendrix. history. Right. No, I agree. But, I mean, if you talk about the history of metal, it's it's Zeppelin, Purple, and Sabbath that really get the ball rolling. Yeah. Okay. I I, I I can deal with that. Um. All right. So you you guys want to dive into the album already? Let's do it. All right. Let me, let me go first. Um. Actually, let e, uh Luke go first. You're our guest, Luke. You, you started off. Oh, thank you. Um. So the I mean the opening track of of the album it's that classic um uh, purple trick of starting off with something that really shows off their musicianship straight away um, with the title track. Um, I, I mean, it's very much like, um, you know, Speed King on uh, In Rock or Highway Star. You know, a really fast, something very technical. Um, I mean, I love the drums in the song. I think it's a great song um, and a great way to kick off the album. And it really does put you... Um, looking back, I mean, we were talking about the history of metal just just a moment ago, and it really does put you in no in no doubt that this was um, sort of the the stuff that was um, injecting life into a genre of music that hadn't quite found its feet yet, um, and was uh, like you know searching for a definition. Um, and this song's pretty much a perfect example of that, you know. Uh, so I'll hand over to you, Ralph. Yeah, uh, all I can say, uh, I got two words for this song. Ian Pace. My lord, what a drummer, man. He's just uh, 100 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like Speed King before it and Flight of the Rat. Yeah, this is like some heavy, fast tempo, which Sabbath didn't really have that as much. I mean, there were... You know, like in the middle of songs, and you know, I guess songs like Paranoid and stuff like that. But Deep Purple were even faster, you know, and uh, yeah. And this is a prime example, and and one of the, you know, it's it's on Deepest Purple. I was talking earlier. Yeah, it's like man, you hear this song, it's like God, you know, this is so good. I want to, I want to buy Fireball, you know. So even though I owned Fireball before this, but it is such a great, yeah. great song to me. It's the standout track. It's my favorite track but there's some songs on this album that i love so much but uh i'll tell you this if you want to have a good laugh go on youtube and type in fireball and they they do a live performance i believe it's a lip sync performance 
you got to see the people dancing around them. It's some funny stuff, man. They're doing that, uh, you know, the, the crazy psychedelic yeah. type dancing. In the, but, in the early in the early seventies, headbanging hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but what they were doing was body banging because they're like, you know, their hips are you know, and their upper torso is going down instead of the fucking head, you know, and they're just shaking all over the place. And you know, it's kind of like hippie dancing, but since fireball's so fast, it's like hippie dancing like in fat, fast motion. They're like. It's just the funniest shit. You gotta see this video. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, what do you think of the title track there, Ian? Uh, I love it. I mean, just crushing. I mean, I mean, right out the gate, like Luke. You know, they always had like a good, you know, fast rocker to start out. You know, their albums in the Mach Two era. And uh, and what really stands out to this, to me, it is uh, Pacey. Ian Pace's drums. Yeah, I was saying uh, that. I think one of the greatest uh, drummers. I mean, he's probably in my top five. I've, I've said it a million times, Bill Ward's my favorite, but he's probably in my top five. So underrated. Uh, he's certainly my favorite left-handed drummer. I will say that. And, uh, ooh, and I'm a lefty, man. And I'm an Ian, so that's awesome. Uh, I love him. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. This is just a great great track i find it very funny that uh none of the band looks fondly upon this album except for gillen yes ian gillen claims it's their best album yeah he, he said he loved uh he loved the writing and the chances that he took on this and uh the one who notoriously hates it is blackmore well no and, well really because i i see the yeah, interview yeah, where oh, he, yeah he said it wasn't as good but he said he liked it uh, i've seen a review where he uh there's some famous reviews where he really trashes it and what he says is they weren't given enough time uh you know it's like you know in rock came out was doing good and they're like okay we've got all these dates and then you're gonna take a week off and, and do a do an album and he's like well whoa, whoa hold on we need time to write an album you know we need time to do it and he felt it was too rushed so he said basically what he did was just like okay here's a couple ideas you guys do what you want and what i what I believe in that is that's why Gillen said like the other guys had more freedom to add their shit and do all kinds of weird shit because you know Blackboard was kind of detached from the whole thing like here's a riff what do you guys want to do with it like they had more input on this than probably any of the other Mach 2 uh, albums as far as you know you know without Richie dominating well uh, I saw I saw an interview it's a recent interview where he said he didn't really praise it but he didn't say it was a bad album and I I believe it's because Candace Knight said it's a good album. That's why he changes to. Yeah, I, I believe that. You know, whatever his wife and his mother-in-law says, he agrees with. That's probably why he says that now. But uh, but I think this is, is an amazing one. And, and while you mention that, I think I mentioned this on a prior podcast, but i got to mention it again because it, it's so disgusting. Uh, if you go see Blackmore's Night now, uh, it's uh, you're not allowed to bring up uh, Deep Purple albums to get signed. You, you, you can only bring, and not even Rainbow, you're only allowed to bring up Blackmore Night shit to get signed. And this guy went up there, and he had a copy of Machine Head that was signed by every member of the band except Blackmore. And he took it up there, and Blackmore's mother-in-law grabbed it and broke it. Like, smashed it on the table. Holy fucking shit. I mean, if that was me, I'd be in jail. I, I, yeah. She would have got a fucking haymaker right upside the head. I don't care, woman or not. I mean, if you had a copy of Machine Head signed by everybody, 
and somebody did that, I'm sorry. Especially you're... considering John Lord's not with us anymore. Right. I mean, you're getting knocked the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you know? right. It'd be, it'd be like when Danza got knocked out. That's what it would have looked like. <laughs> I would have fucking, you know. And you know, and you know, and you know, you put up a video of a guy punching a girl. That guy will automatically be like slammed. But if you get a video of a guy punching a girl after she broke a Machine Head album, you will get nothing but sympathy. Oh, she would she would have been fucking asleep faster than a chick on a date with Bill Cosby. I would have knocked that bitch out. Oh, ooh, how current! That's really good. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. You like that? I'm very yeah, topical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> topical. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, getting back to the point. Uh, Fireball, all time fucking classic. Let's go into the next song, which is the incredible No No No. Holy fucking shit! Do I love this goddamn song? Uh. Probably my second favorite on the album. Uh, just an amazing song. Everybody shines on this. Everybody gets like a little turn here. There's so many like, you know, instrumental interludes and, you know, and, and build-ups and, you know, breakdowns. And wow. Wow, man. If I, I mean, I, unfortunately, I've never got to see him live. Uh, but I would, I would love to go see Steve Morris because I think they're still putting out incredible music. Oh, and they put I on incredible see. shows because I've seen him twice. Yeah, I've he, seen him four times with Morris. He is an incredible guitar player. I think the spirit is still alive. Everybody's having fun and enjoying it, and they're doing it because they still love it. And uh, Steve Morris stays true to Blackmore solos, which some Blackmore never does the same solo twice. Right, but I mean. In his own right, Steve Morris is incredible, and I'm glad he stuck with it for so long, and I'm glad they're still doing it, you know? Their last uh, album is amazing. Oh, great. Oh, that song, Vincent Price. Oh, my God. That. Yeah, yeah, that punch that up. That's a great song. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Ralph, did you ever see him perform No, No, No? No, no, no. Oh, I, I, they they have done it with Steve Morris, so that's why I was wondering. No, I haven't. But, uh, I have not. It, but, but I have seen them perform really deep cuts a fireball, and I will discuss that when we get there. Oh, which, nice. well, which one of the shows that they perform one of these deep cuts was professionally shot, and you can buy it using our Amazon link. There you go. I love that, Gene Simmons. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, uh, but no, just totally incredible track. Like I said, my second favorite on the album. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I've got to talk about um, about John Lord here. Ooh. I mean, I just absolutely. John Lord is like there's there's a special category above above you know Maestro for him um, who else uh, Brian Eno and uh, Jules Holland those those three guys sit above when it comes to keyboard playing they're just above everyone else I, I and it's it's amazing because um, like the Hammond organ kind of has this reputation because it's quite uncool and quite cheesy but when John Lord played it it just came alive and I mean it I, I absolutely adore John Lord's playing all over this album but particularly on this track I just think it's wonderful what about you Ralph? Yeah I, I agree with you 100% I'm not really too I know who Jules Holland is but I don't know what was the other one? Brian Eno? Hit the squeeze. Brian He's wearing Eno. the shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. I love Nail in the Heart. Is that the squeeze? Yeah. I love yeah. that song. That, yeah. You ever seen the video? He's pushing a piano the whole time. And That's then, right. That's Jules Holland pushing the piano. Yeah, he yeah. pushes a piano the whole video. Then he finally gets in the room, and the end, and the song ends yeah. with a little piano. like. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. And, 
And he has a show in the UK, correct? He yes, he does. I've that seen song, some of it on song. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That's our like that's our only um, music show that's on like mainstream television now. It's weird, but yeah. And and yeah, the Squeeze also that. had another incredible song. Uh, I got you. I do someone. Uh, Oh, what's the name of that song, man? Uh, I, I love Tempted. I know. I mean, that's no, Tempted's later, but this one was before where it's like, it's an eerie video, an eerie keyboard sound, and uh, I don't know why sometimes I get frightened. You know what song I'm talking about? God, I can't remember I don't right think now. that squeeze. Oh, that's the split <laughs> ends, man. I'm thinking of the split <laughs> ends. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't. All right, I'm not the biggest yeah, yeah. fan. <laughs> And that's the sober guy. Yeah, I'm the sober. <laughs> I, would, I would suggest though, if if you do, um, I know Squeeze do still play um, a lot of shows, especially on on the East Coast. Okay. Uh, so and they're usually not too. So, so I definitely suggest going and see them if you. Can I will. Them. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they did do a tour with Cheap Trick, and it, it didn't come this way because I never meet yeah. Cheap Trick, so I would have went to that one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll I mean, look into it. I'll look into it. Jules Holland's not with them anymore, but they have they have a guy called Stephen Large who's who's a perfectly good keyboard player. But anyway, back to Purple. Well, back to John Lord, which, you know, I I swear, man, I, I don't have no proof, but you guys got to believe me. Before he died, he was always my favorite keyboard player. Uh, the first time I saw him was at the Perfect Strangers Tour. And let me tell you, I was very close on that show. And... Uh, you know, for the young people out there, uh, don't do what I did. I, I took acid at that show. Yeah! Yay! Uh, you know, unless you're unless you're like an Ian type, you know, you know, if you're 14 and like Ian, yeah, take take a hit of acid. What the fuck? If you can even find acid. Yeah, you can't even get acid anymore. Anyway, I took acid. acid you know. I was like third row on John Lord's side. And let me tell you something. It was religious watching this guy. This guy didn't just play three keyboards. He thrashed the thing. He oh, was yeah. like he was like push it front and back, front and back. He was just so into it and such a badass. To me, that guy and his playing, I mean, I identify more with John Lord's keyboard playing than any keyboards I ever heard because it was heavy. He he had like really a heavy sound to his keyboard. And even when he mellowed with uh, Child in Time and stuff like that, it was still fucking awesome. The guy was just a shit. And yeah, no, no, no. The solos on there combined with that masterful, emotional playing that only Richie Blackmore can do. Richie Blackmore, to me, is by far the most underrated guitar player. I don't know about England, Luke, but over here, you don't, they don't talk about Blackmore. Absolutely, absolutely. No, absolutely. We, get, we always get, it's always the same discussion. You get Hendrix, Iomi. Uh, and uh, Page. But for me, Blackmore should be in there as Blackmore, well. Blackmore, to me, man, his um, No 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 is a good example. He has this tone, this kind of like, man, it's just like he, say what the hell you want about the guy, but he's got so much emotion. Where every fucking note he, he plays, I feel it, man. I feel it. The guy's just a master of emotional solos, and it's all over this song, No 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 adding John Lord's amazing solos during the song. That's what made me Deep uh, to me Deep Purple so fucking special. Now the odd thing about this song, it's got a killer groove too. Uh, 
the second song on on in rock is called Bloodsucker, where he yells no 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 a lot. So it's odd that both second tracks say no no no, you know. And um, there's a video where there I don't know if you guys seen this. I'm doing no 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 during this era, but oh, it's no yeah, but it's not. They're actually playing it live, but it's in a studio with a bunch of psychedelic shit going on behind him and Richie Blackmore is wearing the pilgrim hat yeah. it's amazing you guys got to see this video it's uh yeah you can see it there's actually a home video I can't remember the name of it that has a lot of their videos that brings this you know they did they did a couple songs like I'm sure you guys seen the the highway star one when they, they didn't even have the lyrics yet where Ian yeah. Gillen saying Mickey Mouse yeah, and all that um, shit yeah that's a, a program a TV show from Germany called The Beat Club. I believe the No 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 is also from The Beat Club uh, a year prior than that Highway Star one. Yeah. I highly recommend you guys punch that one up on YouTube and see a live version of it because I've never seen them play it live. Ian says they did it with uh, with um, Steve Morris. Steve Morris. And I do have a Fireball show where it's not played live. So there you go. Uh, what's next? The, what, what we're doing this time, we're doing both the American and the England version, and I know track three is different on both versions. Am I correct? Yes. All yes, right, since Luke, since Luke is our guest, we're going to go with the England version first, which I believe was Strange Kind of Woman. Am I right? No, no, Demon, Demon's Eye. It was Demon's Eye. Eye. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what do you think of Demon's Eye, Luke? I love it. Again, I, I, I absolutely love it. Um uh, it's, it's, it's again, I mean, this is at a time and it might not be as ob ob evident as it is on certain tracks coming up, but they didn't really have like a, a genre yet, these these bands. And obviously in hindsight, we all know that Black Sabbath were, were a metal band, but like there was so much um, people were having to, like bands were having to just sort of try things and see, see what happened. and. This album's really testament to that, and in rock as well. Um, and and this is one of those songs where they they were just trying some new things, and it, it worked out so well in their favour. Um, you know, and, and that's uh, kind of why I love this song, and and a couple of ones that are coming up next. But I mean, I'll let you guys talk about it too. Uh, I I love Demon's Eye. I mean, that's just a classic song, a great fucking groove. And I think Lord and uh, Blackmore really shine on this song. And, you know, you guys, you know, rightfully so, talking about your praise of John Lord. And he's definitely, you know, my, my three favorite uh, keyboard players would be uh, John Lord, Ray Manzarek from The Doors, and uh, Josh Silver from uh, Typo Negative. Uh, I, I think our, our people that do keyboards that, you know, it's, it's not some cheesy... Casio, like you know, your final countdown kind of shit. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's the organ with balls, you know. And I love like like piano. I love like real piano, and I love real organ. I I, I think can perfectly work great in the context of rock and roll and metal. Way better than you know, like cheat, like you know, David Bryan Bon Jovi kind of fucking bullshit, you know. Uh, you know, John Lord showed you, I mean, it's ballsy fucking keyboard, and it, it, it's fucking beautiful, and I mean, you cannot imagine, uh, Deep Purple without John Lord, 
I mean, to me, he's just as important as Richie Blackmore or Ian, or Ian Pace or, even, you know, Roger Glover or any of the members. I mean, it's he's that important. Now, I do love that he's, you know, currently his slot, you know, he's passed away, is filled by Don uh, Don Airy. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yeah. And, and once again, an incredible keyboard player who has, been, has played on many, many incredible fucking albums through the years. Uh, Never Say Die by Black Sabbath, you know. Uh, he's an incredible player, and I love that his spot is filled by somebody that has a background. Yeah, he, he, he played also in Rainbow. Yes, he did. He did, and and, and incredible, and uh, and a worthy successor to the uh, irreplaceable John Lord. I mean, you cannot replace John Lord, but I'm glad that it's somebody that has a pedigree, that uh, that that has true talent, and, and has proven himself by playing on many many important hard rock and heavy metal records. Uh, but on this song, yeah, I love it, and it's all about that interplay, and so many songs are about the interplay between Blackmore and Lord, and I think that's unique for a metal band, that those are your two biggest, like, musically, you know, we're not even talking about the vocals, but just musically going back and forth between Lord and Blackmore. Such strong personalities, and they never really got along. And they were the first to say that, like, we don't really get along. He's like, but the push and pull that they would do on stage and on record, I mean, you can't you can't duplicate that. I mean, it's it's amazing. Well, I, I love Deep Inside. First of all, I just want to say you you called uh, Don Airy a pedigree a dog. I don't know what's up with that. You're getting drunk. no no. Uh, anyway, so anyway, so so uh, don't don't challenge my 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 uh, my knowledge. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm saying it's pedigree in music. Pedigree, yeah, yeah. That's dogs, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, John Lord uh, said this in an interview that he really loved Blackmore and that Blackmore uh, and him would go have dinner often. So I don't know. I, I never knew they didn't really get along. I mean, I understood Blackmore didn't get along with anybody. But I think John Lord was probably the one guy that he did get along. But, you know, I, I don't know if you... Let me go back a little bit for a little... Hold on, I'm that was from an interview with John Lord that said he never really liked him. Okay, no, I, I I do believe you, but I also have an interview with John Lord saying that you know he he loved having dinner with him, and and oddly enough, when uh, John Lord passed away, that was part of what Blackmore said about John Lord that he loved having dinner with him. Anyway, yeah, I didn't see that too. Yeah, but you know John Lord said it while he was alive. Anyway, um, I want to get back to. Uh, the, the reason in rock happened was because Richie Blackmore, believe it or not, was not really into classical. As we all know, he's more into the Renaissance right. stuff. So right. he told John Lord, look, I want to go in this direction. If it doesn't work, then we'll go back to your classical stuff. That was the deal. I don't know if you're aware of that. So Yeah, no, I, no, I did read that. Yeah. So then in rock happened, and it blew up, and then John Lord was like, okay, Richie. <laughs> yeah. You know, Richie was right. So yeah, uh, thankfully he won. Yeah. So what's song we're talking about? Demon's Eye. Yep. Now, now I, 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 you guys taught me something for on this episode because uh, the version of uh, Deep Purple Fireball I have has Demon's Eye. I always thought I had an original version from America, uh, original pressing. Well, now I realize I have an original pressing from England. I don't. I my brother ended up with this album. I don't know how he got it, but Demon's Eye. Uh, again, like I said earlier, this is an album I only put on Fireball, 
so I never really listened to the next uh, whole album. But Demon's Eye, I didn't really get into because of Fireball. I got into Demon's Eye because of Deepest Purple. You know, because that was the album. Yeah, I would listen to Deepest Purple more than Fireball. Because Deepest Purple had Fireball. It was the only song I would I liked at the time. So all I would do is listen to Deepest Purple. I never put on Fireball. But Demon's Eye, I loved, you know, listening to it on uh, Deepest Purple. That's where I really fell in love with the song. It's got a really cool blues feel. But it also has that... We're fucking so fucking awesomely cool. Listen to this music. This, it, it, you know, if you're like a, you know, a fucking guy that doesn't get laid, you will never understand Demon's Eye. You know, you need to know the whiff of vagina to n- realize how fucking cool this song is. Josh Carlson said this song is horrible. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we should air that episode, which I have. Uh, Ian on Cribs is the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. Oh, that uh, was a good one. The, the, you remember that, Josh? The uh, I mean, Luke, I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. Roses. Yeah. I have that. <laughs> I actually have that episode, and we should one day tack it onto one of our episodes, you know, because it's just Absolutely. so good. It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Demon's Eye is to me like a standout track, man. It's like one of my favorites. Such a killer groove. Now, uh, Strange Kind of Woman, I had no idea back in the day that it was part of Fireball. First time I heard this song was uh, on Deepest Purple. And uh, I didn't realize it was part of the Fireball American version until many, many years later. I'm sorry, I missed it because I went to the bathroom. You said your version does have Demon's Eye, huh? Yeah, when you went to the bathroom, I said you guys taught me something because... All this time, I thought I had an original pressing from America. Yeah, no, no you, have, you have the original European version. Exactly. I didn't know that till all this, all these years later. I always now, thought Strange Kind of Woman was from Europe. Now, what what happened was, uh, Demon's Eye. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Strange Kind of Woman was released in the UK as a single. Right. It, it wasn't on the. You know, just like the Beatles used to have a lot of exactly. songs that were just singles that weren't on albums. I did not know and, that. And, and that's what they did and it, it took off and it was popular and that's why it came out on the american version and what's funny is the see the american version of fireball came out first that and and we're not talking by a little bit the american version of fireball came out in july of 71 it didn't come out in europe till september wow yeah big difference i i, I and i have no idea for the reason why but yeah, I mean that—that's a pretty long gap. And and it's kind of weird how they would release it in Europe. Well, I guess not weird since Strange Kind of Woman was a single. And I, I think that's what happened. I think probably around the time of the album, maybe in the, in the U.S., that's when they released the single Strange Kind of Woman uh, in Europe. But it was a it was a hit. And and deservedly so. It's an amazing song. It's such a killer. It's a commercialish tune, but it's to me one of the best Deep Purple songs ever. Uh, yeah. he's, he's singing a song about a chick that died. You know, it's like yeah, I love you, I need you, I gotta be with you, all this stuff. Then at the end, you know, I love that woman until she died or something like that, which has kind of like a morbid ending to it, the lyrically. But oh my god, and and you know that that whole like ooh, that part where. Uh, 
you know, it gets so mellow. And and that's another thing we haven't discussed, the amazing vocals of Ian Gillen, who has to be one of the greatest vocalists of all time. I'm not only Incredible. talking about rock, man. I mean, this guy's just a, a freak of nature, or was. Now, now he, still, he still can deliver, but nothing like, you know, the old days, you know. But, again... Those- the screams of that man. The Good screams. Lord. Yeah, you see, when he does these all, all the high screams, and then if when he does these little mellow things like that, and uh, and what uh, what's that song? Um, when a blind man cries. Oh yeah. It's Ooh. just pure fucking emotion. He he's the perfect counterpart for Richie Blackmore, because Richie oh, yeah. Blackmore is the same way on guitar. He could be nasty and crazy and shred. And then he can do these beautiful fucking emotional melodies. Him and him and Gillen, that's why they work so well together, you know? Yet they couldn't stand each other. But Strange Kind of Woman is amazing, amazing track that I discovered through Deepest Purple. I didn't know at the time when I had Deepest Purple it was part of Fireball until years later. Actually, I found out when I bought the CD. That's when I found out. I was like, where the fuck's Demon's Eye? You know, I have the CD that has Strange Kind of Woman. But, um, yeah, what do you think of the oh, song? Oh, so you don't have the remaster, Ralph? No, I don't. Amazon Link. It's worth picking up. On my Amazon Link. Of course. That's right. What do you think, uh, Luke, of Strange Kind of Woman? I like it. I mean, to be honest, obviously it was a hit. It was a top ten hit in, uh, in the UK. Um, so when people talk about Deep Purple, it is... I'm talking about people who are in the know here not just your average person but it is spoken of in the same breath um, as the other well known songs you know uh, uh, Speed King and uh, Smoke on the Water especially but I mean that that, that, that was a, obviously a single here so I do know it I don't necessarily know it as a part of this album um, because even, even now it's released with Demon's Eye and then Strange Kind of Woman as a bonus track um but yeah, I mean, like you say, it is a slightly more, um, I guess you could call it a slightly more commercial thing, sort of a slightly more boogie sort of sound. But yeah, I do I do really like the song. I think the, uh, again, the musicianship is totally there and the vocals are, are, um, are just absolutely on point. Everything, everything just slots together perfectly. Um, just to, to uh, you know, we were talking about John Lord, just to put in a little technical note, to explain his uh, the uniqueness of his sound. Basically, when you set a Hammond organ up, the traditional way it's to um, amplify it is with something called a Leslie speaker, which is basically a cone that, that uh, rotates, and you set the rotation to different speeds and it produces slightly different sounds. But what John John Lord did is he he plugged his straight into a Marshall. Wow. And that's what gave it the, the crunchy, um, thicker tone that uh, wow. is sort of his signature. So, so yeah, that's just a little aside for anyone who's wondering about that. See that he's revolutionary, you know. Uh, Luke, uh, I just want to bring up an interesting point you just brought up. In England, people think of "Strange Kind of Woman" as like, oh, look, that's a Deep Purple song. Like, you know, in uh, uh, "Speed King," they, 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 as the more popular tracks here in America. We only know, all, the popular thing is like, people only think of Smoke on the Water, Highway Star, 
and boys are back in town. I swear to God, people over here think boys are back in town is Deep Purple. One guy said, man, I love Blackmore Solo on Stairway to Heaven. That's America for you, you know? Anyway, so, oh, so are you done? Uh, or are we sh should we throw it to Ian? Yeah, go, go ahead. I'm, I'm, uh, that, that's all I've got to say. Yeah, not not much more I can add to this. It, it is a classic track. It's a mainstay in the set list. Um, you know, especially since, uh, you know, Gillen came back. Uh, they they always include the song, and for good reason. I mean, it's just got a great groove, and uh, it's an amazing track. So let's go into the next one that's on every edition. And this one, to me, sticks out like a beautiful sword thumb. And that's Anyone's Daughter. Uh, wow, is this like the weird one on the album? But I love this fucking song. Uh, Ian Gillen said he loves this song. He said, but in hindsight, he doesn't think it should have been on the album. Because it's so different from every everything else. And I kind of agree yet disagree. And I, I agree that it is different and it, it changes up the pace of the album. But uh, that's what's so nice about, like, especially the 70s rock, is there was no rules to follow. I mean, you could, you could have that weird, odd song that just came out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, it's what they call album tracks. You know, it's, it's part of this great you know, story that is 70s rock albums. They were something that was meant to be enjoyed all at once, you know. It wasn't, you know, just top 40 shit, we're just going to play the hits. You would put on an album. You would look at the album cover, you know. You you know, if it was a gatefold, you know, you would break up your weed on it, you know, and then roll a joint and listen to the <laughs> fucking album. You know, it's just, uh, I miss shit like this. It's, it's adventurous. They took a chance. And uh, I love the song. This is another one that they played. I believe they played this uh, on the last tour of Blackmore. You are this, correct. I believe this was played on the uh, Battle Rages On tour. And it was. It's on their home video, Come Hell or High Water. Highly recommend that home video. Uh, man, I had a chance to see that tour in Alpine Valley, what? In Wisconsin. Yeah, and 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 I didn't go because it was a, it was like a weekday, and I couldn't get anybody to go. It was a long trek from where I lived in Illinois to go there. And uh, nobody else wanted to go. And at the, like the zero hour, uh, they like greatly reduced the price of the tickets because it just was not selling. I mean, they weren't doing real great in the states, you know, because uh, Gillen had just come back like at the zero hour to record that album. They'd kicked out uh, Joe Lynn Turner, much to uh, Richie Blackmore's chagrin. He wasn't happy about that. And uh, they did that album, and uh, man, I wish I would have went to see it, you know, because that would have been, you know, I could have got to see him, period, but I could have got to see him with Richie Blackmore. I love I that. I love that album so much. See, I, man, maybe I got to listen to it again. Go back, remember... go back and listen to Ramshackin' Man. Holy I, I, crap, what a great I, song. I, I just remember really not liking that album, but uh, I'll give it another Yeah, shot. Enya, it's a great album. I, I highly oh, recommend yeah, you go back. Yeah, that's a great back. song that he re-recorded. With uh, Blackmore's Rainbow on the last, uh, you're yeah, right. yeah, you're right, you're right. Strange, yeah. strange. What's the name of that one? Stranger than us all. Stranger than us all. Yeah, he re-recorded because he said he hated, he hated what uh, what uh, Ian Gillen did to that song. He didn't like it one bit. Wow. Um. All right. Well, uh, my my take on anyone's daughter. It's uh, man. Let me tell you, man. It, it, the the playing Blackmore does on it. You know. It, Makes me want to fucking cry, but I don't cry because it's a silly song. 
It doesn't really match the lyrics, but yet it's so beautiful. That guitar playing he does on the song is just pure fucking emotion, you know? But it's weird because it's, you know, it's a song about uh, Ian Gillen fucking uh, Farmer's Daughter, you know? And, um, and the dad going after him and stuff. But I love the, be the beginning, the band, sounds like the band's like tuning up. You know, right. it doesn't start like a regular song. It's just a band like, you know, tuning up. And then uh, John Lord on piano and, and beautiful piano playing. And the song is just so beautifully done. But then like the drums and the lyrics make it something else. Because, you know, the drums is just doing the, you know, the bass drum thing. And, you know, I'm walking by a bedroom window, throwing up a brick. You know, it's like almost southern country type uh, delivery to this beautiful melodic uh, slide type guitar Blackmore's doing and his beautiful piano playing it's just it's gorgeous but at the same time it's funny it's it, it's like it's a song that that both shouldn't be together but yet it does go together for some odd reason and I do disagree I think this song is very important to this album because this album's all over the place you know, uh, songs coming up are very unorthodox. And this one, it might, if it sticks out like a sore thumb, so do a couple other ones. You know, so I, I think it's fine. I think it's great on the album, and I'm glad it is on the album, you know. I love it. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I mean, you were right. It's totally country. There is, and it's that thing I was saying before of there were no rules yeah at this time about what is a, a heavy metal album so bands were trying different unusual things and i mean you know you guys have described the song pretty well so far there is a huge uh, country thing going on here and i do really like the song um and i mean it, it's it's definitely an interesting way to close out side one um if there's anywhere that you're going to put um, kind of a track that sticks out slightly, it would be the end of side one and I think this song really does does everything it should do and like, like Ralph was saying um, there's almost an element of uh, you kind of think it shouldn't work but it does um, because the playing is so sort of serious and, um, and beautiful and the lyrics are kind of jokey but yeah I, I, I think it's a great song and it works for me it really works for me uh, one thing I'd like to add, Luke, is uh, it kind of reminds me of a, of a famous quote by John Paul Jones. And uh, unfortunately, it's a dig at one of our favorite bands. But uh, he was describing after Led Zeppelin released Led Zeppelin 3, which, you know, was very different, had more acoustical and all that kind of stuff on there. But he said, after this album, nobody compared us to Black Sabbath. You know, and, and it's a dig at Black Sabbath, and that kind of pissed me off. But I get what he's saying, you know. It's like like Zeppelin totally took a turn and, and showed a softer side with Led Zeppelin three, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's incredible. And, uh, again, with Anyone's Daughter, I think it's awesome that they did that. You know, to show a different side. It's very, I think, you know, in my mind, it's very English humor as far as the lyrics and the storytelling. But very American in the southern, you know, the the playing on it. Great song. Interesting. Very interesting that you say that. All right. The next uh, next song is the Mule. Am I right? The Mule. Is that the next one? Yes, sir. All right. The Mule. Uh, lyrically, I I don't know why they call it the Mule. It should have been called the Goat. 
because listen to the lyrics. <laughs> it's kind of it's a satanic song, man, lyrically. You know, but they call it the mule, and they they reference the mule as the symbol of evil in this song. Uh, it's a song that has the same drum roll for five minutes, but yet it works for me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's combined with Richie Blackmore and John Lord doing this Egyptian type playing on it. It's a weird tune. Live version has like a 10 minute drum solo where this studio version does not have a drum solo. But uh, it, it is a, a peculiar tune. But again, I, I love this song. I've always loved this song. Um, uh, the Mule, I mean, I discovered it really like I, I've said a million times already. I didn't really listen to my Fireball album. This, this song I really discovered on the incredible Made in Japan. One of the greatest live albums ever. And that's how oh, I yes. discovered The Mule. And then, you know, I went back and listened to the studio version. And I, I, I enjoy the studio version even more. Uh, I, I guess because it doesn't have a 10-minute drum solo. But uh, with nothing wrong with that drum solo, by the way. But I just prefer... I prefer my, my songs without drum solos. As, or or just keep it keep it short. Like that incredible song Demons by that new band Combat. <laughs> has a drum solo, but it's not long. It's to the point. And, uh, but I love it. I love the mule. It is weird, off center, um, sticks out like a sore thumb, like anyone's daughter, like the rest of this album, if you ask me to tell you the truth. But I, I love the mule. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really like it. Um, I can, I can listen to either version. I can listen. I mean, any time that, that Pace plays the drums is absolutely fine with me you know I, I could listen to him play drums all day um but yeah the the um it, it's again like you say it's an interesting one it's kind of a slightly slightly off kilter um and very interesting i've i've got a lot of love for the song um i mean you kind of ralph summed it up pretty much so um i mean that's pretty much all i've got to say what about you ian uh, I love it. I mean, to me, it's definitely the Ian Page show, you know, and you can see why it evolved into the great drum solo it was on Made in Japan. Uh, interesting thing about the title, uh, it was actually based on uh, a night that the guys had out at a strip club where Ralph's mom was dancing and her stage name was The Mule. That is true. I did, I did not want to bring that up out of pure embarrassment. Thanks, Ian. Return of the Mom jokes, goddammit. It's been a while. Uh, I've got a good one coming up later. I won't tell oh, you yet. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, he, even Luke's jumping in on this one, huh? <laughs> in all fairness, everybody jumped on your mother. But uh, speaking of, the, speaking oh. of the Mule, this is a great song. Uh, I, I do. I like. And you're absolutely right, Ralph. This is a weird-ass fucking song. And... Uh, but it's great. But the drumming on this is is amazing, and it did evolve evolve into, you know, the classic version that everybody knows that is made in Japan. You're absolutely right. And there is a new version, and you want to talk about something to go on Amazon and get. I believe it's like a five disc edition of uh, of Live in Japan that has uh, the original version. Uh, the remastered version and i think there's like one disc is in quadraphonic and then uh the other two discs are the other two nights that they played in japan uh you know so just to get some extra shows but uh that is a legendary uh album very essential to 70s hard rock 
excuse me. Um, yeah, check out Made in Japan. If any, if any of you that are listening to this episode and you're just like getting turned on to Deep Purple and stuff, man, you gotta check out Made in Japan because that's what '70s rock was all about. I mean, just incredible. But uh, yeah, the Mule, a kick-ass track. And then it leads into the longest song on the album, Fools, which clocks in at uh, 8 minutes and 19 seconds. An epic, epic fucking song. Uh, I love the slow build on it. You know, it's like, even like the first minute, like you're talking, it almost sounds like, you know, they're just getting ready. You know, it, it's like, it's like a, something in a crock pot. It's just simmering. You know, it's building up, it's building up, and it's like, da-da! Oh man, I fucking love Fools. It's an amazing track. I mean, everything I love about Deep Purple is all in this song. Um, this one, I don't know if it's been played. I'm not sure. I think this might have been played with Steve Morse. I'm not sure. I got, uh, a, I got an answer to that. Oh, you do? Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to throw it over to you because there's not much more I can say. I absolutely love this track. Ralph? June 5th. 2001, I saw Deep Purple at the Sunrise Musical Theater in Fort Lauderdale. It was filmed and released as a home video called, I may be pronouncing this wrong, Perry Hellion. P-E-R-I-H-E-L-I-O-N. I've seen that. I was at that show. I've seen the disc. I haven't bought it. I was at that show, and yes, they played Fools. And they also played the next track. Well, how, 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 how was it live? Amazing. Watch the go on the Amazon link, uh, Ian, <laughs> and buy it so then you can get some profit. I, oh, I, I do it all the time. So, so yeah, do that. Uh, buy that. Definitely buy that home video. You want to hear something funny? I was at that show bootlegging it with my video camera. <laughs> so I, I have a version. I have a version from a single camera from the balcony. Good zooms. It was a, a mid-sized theater. Same theater I saw Randy Rhodes at, by the way. Um, anyway, so, um, yes, I love this song. Fools is awesome. But there is one thing about this song that I wish it could have been a little shaved down, uh, to tell you the truth, is the slow down section where Blackmore is doing the, you know, the knob thing with the guitar. It's not bad. I can deal with it. But I just love the groove of this song that it kind of like kills the momentum for me for a while. But then when it comes back and the band just comes back, uh, I just love when, when the song kicks back into motion. Uh, the middle section, I like it, but it should have been shaved down a bit. That's my only complaint about this whole freaking album is that, is the little middle section. I think it should have been shaved down. But everything else about this song... Amazing. Love it. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I, I pretty much word for word agree with you. I think if they, they could have... But the thing you've kind of got to bear in mind is that, um, like we were saying at the beginning, they were under a lot of pressure to get an album done. Um, I'd imagine that they were... they would When they were doing this, they were... Um, they kind of didn't really have a structure for the song. They were just kind of going into the studio and plugging in and playing. Um, so that I think that's kind of a bit of a result of that is sometimes, you know, obviously Ralph, you've been in bands, you know that sometimes when you're when you're first trying to, trying songs out, that sometimes you need to cut them down from 
the first time you sort of try practicing them. Um, so I mean, you know, it's, it's I think it's kind of a symptom of that. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think it's a great song, but I would I would t- sort of slightly cut that middle section down a little bit. It goes on slightly too long. Yeah, I, and I also think that's probably one of Richie's gripes on this album because I don't think he was prepared because it it really is you know not up to standards of Blackmore where he just kept doing the knob thing over and over where it didn't really go anywhere it, it would have went it would have went better to me if it was just shaved down because the rest of that song is so good it just like just brings it to a screeching halt but then when it comes back it's like okay i forgive you but i don't really you know when i go back to listen it's like all right get back to the kick-ass part i just want to get you know into it you know instead of like i disagree i think it's That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Did I bring it to a screeching halt? Yeah, I, I just wanted to bring the show to the same time a screeching halt the song was at. And what better person to do it than you? Hello. All right, so the next song was also played that night at Sunrise Musical Theater. You want to talk about, they threw out two real odd ones. Um, the Mule, um, the Mule. No One Came. All right. This song's about Ian's mom. <laughs> yeah, because she fucks around. <laughs> and I didn't come. Yeah, damn she. Yeah. Well, that that was on purpose because I don't care about her feelings. <laughs> I'm Good ju- one, Luke. <laughs> I'm just there to rummage through her medication. <laughs> anyway, this song oozes of kick-ass hard not hard rock groove. It just oozes all over the goddamn place. Little weird here and there. It's kind of got the weird vibe. It's not your straightforward fireball in rock type song, but it still oozes, oozes the kick-ass hard rock groove. Unlike Ian's mom that oozes nothing out of her vagina. (laughs) They need to try harder. No one came. About Ian's mom. Good one, Luke. Alright, so... Uh, what you... we'll, we'll wait to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see Luke bang my mom, and you know she comes. Anyways, oh, yeah, she's a good girl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's an extra 50 cents, though. <laughs> if you use the Amazon link, just type in Rob's mom. <laughs> type in Rob's mom on the Amazon link, you know? Yeah, it, it, it says, people who bought this awesome bought penicillin. Yeah, well, well, type in Ian's mom and it just says, do not purchase. Every review only has three words. No one came. Uh, all right, what do, what do you think of this song, Luke? While I go grab my copy of Fireball. There you go. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I like the song. Again, it's... It's another one of those things where I just don't really have anything negative to say at all. I mean, it's it's a, a strange little one, um, but it is, it is totally that grooving hard rock that that we all love from from Deep Purple. So, I mean, that that's all, all I've really got to say about it. I mean, I'll pass it to Ian now. He's cracking open another Rolling Rock. Oh, you're right about that. <laughs> oh. I have to in honor of this track. Uh, yeah. 
this is my favorite track on the album. All right. Uh, I, I fucking love this song. And uh, my favorite part is that da 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 da. You know, like 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 when something that normally you would associate like like with a great guitar riff. It's John Lord when you hear that. You know, John, John you know, and he's hitting those fucking keys. Oh my! It's it's like a fucking freight train just smacks you right in the fucking head, dude. It's just it's like kind of like that sort of space trucking type thing. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Uh, I absolutely love this song. Uh, Ian Gillen wrote it. Excuse me about uh, his fear of like you know doing a show and nobody came to came to watch him. And it's funny the lyrics go all over the place. I mean, Gillen was a very weird lyricist. I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, you look at everything he's done from Purple to solo shit to Sabbath. He has a very weird lyrical content. He goes all over the place. But it's it's very it's very him. I mean, there's nobody else that writes lyrics or like you know has the phrasing that he does. And I love that about him. I mean, it's very very unique. He's and, known uh, he's known to be a very odd person too. There's been many stories how he shows up places dressed as a woman. Oh man, I hear your I hear your mom sometimes shows up dressed as a woman too, and nobody recognizes her without the beard. <laughs> but uh, remember, no, remember, use the Amazon link, <laughs> Ralph's mom. Yeah, yeah, let me get a little piece of that action. Uh, no, but seriously, I fucking love this song. It's a fucking heavy hitter. You want to talk about a great way to end a fucking album? And, and this is one of those, like, uh, was it this episode or the last episode, rather, where we were talking about, uh, the, oh, it was, it was the last episode we did, where you were talking about you don't want bonus tracks on an album. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, kind of, even though I enjoy some bonus tracks on this, it's like, God damn it, No One Came is the perfect way to end this fucking album. Like, that should be it. Like, the only thing you do is you flip it over and you fucking play it again. I and, think, you know, I think this one, I would give it an exception if they would have put... Uh, um, strange kind of woman before or after Demon's Eye? Then I would have well, been well, fine. Well, with it. it would have to be before though, because I think no one came is is the perfect way to end this. Episode. And, uh, and yeah, I yeah. hope that through this episode, uh, more people get turned on to this because it is kind of uh, one of the, one of the forgot. I, I shouldn't say because like the Holy Trinity, uh, Luke brought up earlier, is in rock this and Machine Head. A lot of people, you know, like, you know, uh, what, what was the one with a uh, woman from Tokyo? We, uh, wish you were here. Or, no, that or, was... Or, um, who, who, who do we who think, think we think are? are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one really gets overlooked. But this is one of the other ones. You know, everybody's like, oh, in rock or Machine Head or Made in Japan. But uh, this is an incredible fucking album that I really enjoy. And I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed listening to this in preparation for the episode. In fact, like... We, we recorded two episodes today, and in the meantime, while I was waiting for you to come back, Ralph, I, I, I started playing it again, and I went right to No One Came. I, I, I was like, I want to hear this shit, because it reminds me of the mule, you mutter. I don't, know, I don't know if this was ever played live back then. Here's my vinyl, guys. Look That's not, Oh, look at that. See. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, that crease. Holy shit. Yeah, and see here. I don't know if I can get the track listing there. Can oh, you see wow. it? Deep, Demon's Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, move wow. it up slightly, buddy. Yeah, yeah, move it up. Oh, there, yep. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. see, and all this time I thought I had an American version. You guys taught me something. It's Harvest EMI. Yeah, so, Harvest EMI. That was the English label. I, I had, had no idea. In, in the States, it was Warner Brothers. 
Wow, see, I, oh, that's right. Damn, I didn't yeah, think yeah, of that. Yeah, Har Harvest was the European label. Which I like to bring up, and you can I, I reviewed in rock. We were going to actually do in rock, but unfortunately I did one for my YouTube channel, and I forgot about it recently, and I just put it up, where the England version of in rock, I don't know if you're aware of this, Luke, uh, it starts off with the whole band, like, like distortion and shit, but in the American version, it started off with little keyboards, you know, very mellow. Like, like, like. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, like, no, you know, when, when, when the band stops on speaking and then it goes into that little yeah. mellow section, that's how the American version starts. Yeah, so, like I said, I didn't know that. So EMI, EMI is better. England's always better. The Beatles albums are better in England. Uh, you know, Sabbath had Wicked World, or did they have Evil Woman? I can't remember. No, uh, evil woman. That evil woman. Okay, yeah. well, it's a cover. Well, okay, there I gotta admit, I, I, I America won. No, I love Evil Woman, but I'll take fucking Wicked World. Not only because it's an original, but I prefer that song you, too. You know what I would like to find if, if I can find this? Whenever we do the first Black Sabbath album, uh, my old band Blood Sausage, we did a cover of Evil Woman. Oh, cool. And I know when when we do, you've already heard it, Ralph. But when we do uh, Queensryche Operation Minecraft, you heard my death metal version of I Don't Believe in Love. That's but I would good. like to, I, I got to call the old bass player, Gary Gunn, see if he has a recording of Evil Woman. Because we'll play that. Oh, I, I, I sounds terrible, but it's still fun. If anybody wants to hear my version of the first Black Sabbath song, Black Sabbath, type in Dr. Fuck. Oh Black my God, how drunk were you? I was so drunk doing that one. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Black Sabbath Rules, where I changed the wor words because... I found an instrumental version of that song. So I'm actually singing to the track. Have you have you heard that, Luke? I have a long time ago, but uh, uh, I have heard it. Yeah, yeah. I'm always, I was screaming my ass off on that one. I was, yeah, those were my drinking days. <laughs> Black Sabbath rules, Dr. Fuck, punch it oh, up. Oh, man, I remember when you used to drink. What, what review was, I think it was... Was it your born again born review? Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like you were drunk or hungover or something. I remember that. I don't remember that review. I must have been really drunk. Of course you were drunk. Yeah, no, you were well polluted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so uh, that's our deep purple review. I would like to like you know we uh, breeze back. I'm gonna throw out some album titles, guys. Uh, All right. Just give me your review. Uh, what did you guys think of? Uh, who do you think we are? Uh, I need to give it another listen to. I, I went back a few years. I don't own a physical copy of it. Uh, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I remember not being that impressed with it. What Luke? do you think? I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of somewhere around, if I was going to say on a scale of 1 to 10, it'd be somewhere around a 7, uh, maybe a 7.5. Um... You know, I've kind of it's it's not an album that I think is is bad, um, and I, I do think it's a really good album, but it's not the same as you know. I'm quite traditional with Deep Purple. You know, I like the you know the 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 Mac Two era. That is where I um, I find all of my uh, my favourite stuff from Purple. That those three albums from like I say, In Rock through to Machine Head. That really is the the prime purple for me right on. I, I think uh, the problem with it is that you know with all the other Mach 2 albums it just doesn't stack up to them it's not as good as 
you know, uh, in rock, fireball, and um, uh, machine head. But, but I mean, it does. I I love Rat Bat Blue. I love Super Trooper, Woman from Tokyo. Uh, I gotta listen to it again. Mary Long is a cool tune, and there's another one. Uh, Super Trooper. There was another one. Uh, boys are back in town. Yeah, that one. <laughs> and Jailbreak. Now there's another. There's a song. On, there's a killer fast song on there about Ian Gillen loving black chicks. It's awesome. Ooh, I, I love that. I yeah, love yeah. That. I can't remember the name of that song now, but it's awesome. But also, Super Trooper has like this song, like you know, I was a young man when I died. That's the opening line on the song. How cool is that? I was a young man when I died. Oh, it's like wow. That's some heavy shit, you know. It's a dead guy singing to me. I love that album. Uh, then, uh, I mean, let's stick to this Mach 2, you know. Perfect Strangers will be the next album, Mach 2. Um, I'll, I'll go first. I love that fucking album. I do feel like slightly overrated because everybody points to that as like, you know. But I, I don't think it stacks up to In Rock and uh, Fireball and Machine Head. But it does have like Nobody's Home, Gypsy's Kiss, Knocking on Heaven, uh, Knocking on Your Back Door. Uh, Wasted Sunset is a beautiful, beautiful fucking ballad. I think that's the name of the song. And, uh, you know, and then the rest is like, eh, Under the Gun's okay. But what do you guys think of that one? Uh, I'll have to listen to it again. That's another one I bought when they, they did a uh, remastered with some bonus tracks. Uh, I remember being really let down. I mean, I love uh, the title track. is fucking incredible. And knocking at your back door is incredible. But I remember being really underwhelmed with the rest of it. But, uh, you know, I'll have to give it another listen, too. Because, in all honesty, I haven't heard the whole thing in years. And I've become way more of a Deep Purple fan since then. So, in hindsight, I might enjoy it more. But I remember being, you know, thinking like you said, wow, this was kind of overrated. I think people were just so excited have deep purple back at that time i think it is a great album i think what makes it not a great deep purple album is that it has more of a rainbow feel it sounds like jolin turner musically kind of like jolin turner type music it's it's very polished it doesn't have that gritty 70s sound it's kind of like you know it has more of a polished sound which i i it still has great songs but the i'm just so used to my early deep purple it's kind of like you know a good a good assessment is saying like you know uh uh heaven and hell compared to original savage it doesn't sound the same you know it's not the same band i feel that way about it's better than psycho circus it is uh and i love psycho circus but i would put perfect strangers above that one yes Uh, What what do you think of that one luke I think um, I agree with what you said. It's a very, um, sort of comparatively, it's a very polished album compared to the very loose, uh, rough feel of the the earlier stuff. But as a comeback, I don't think you could really ask for much of a better comeback from a band, you know, after um, however many years of not not playing together. So yeah, I, I like Perfect Strangers. Yeah, that's a. I mean, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That is one thing that really does make that album pretty special. Is that it is a comeback album. Most comeback albums aren't that good, you know. Where you know it doesn't have the same magic. Even though it's 80 polished, it still has that magic. 
the next album though, and and I know this is this sucks because Bill Wang it was his pick of the week, and I do love the album. I have it on vinyl. I'm not taking it back, but I think it was a step down from Perfect Strangers, though it does have its moments. Has the same kind of production, but um, I would prefer I, I I would put Perfect Strangers above it. What what do you think, Luke? I've got to be honest. Um, I don't think I've ever heard the album in its entirety. Yeah, House uh, of Blue so, Light. So, I don't know if I mentioned the title. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so ahead. I can't, like I say, I don't. I don't think I can. I can comment um, okay. on the album as a whole. All right, uh, Ian. Did you, you hear the whole thing? Yeah, actually, that that was my first uh, Deep Purple album. Was House of Blue Light. Right. Uh, I remember seeing the video for Bad Attitude. Great song. I love that, that song. Or, either that or Call of the Wild. Those were the two singles. Yeah. And those are my two favorite tracks off the album. Uh, I really love those songs. But to me, it's kind of like uh, Perfect Strangers. Uh, I love the two singles. The rest of it could have been better. And you're absolutely... It is too polished. Uh, and, and that's the thing that... Unfortunately, you can't... Re- recapture is that 70s loose feel you know just like more of a I think where the 70s is more like a jam you know just like you know all these blokes in the fucking studio just fucking getting high and jamming and making some good music you can't you can't get away with that in the 80s right in in, in the 80s it was just it was more polished they had uh, they had to conform right and and they did it but I mean there's still some great stuff on there but as a whole, it's too sterile. I think is the best word to uh, to describe it. I miss that loose, jammy feel where uh, you can kind of tell in those two albums they're just looking for a hit. We're skipping over Slaves and Masters because that's not Mach 2. Um, <laughs> the Battle Rage is on. We already spoke about this. Luke, did you ever hear that album? I did, yes. What'd you think? Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I really do love that album. I think, um, like I said earlier, Ramshack and Man is just such a... Cl- that has the classic Deep Purple vibe, but yeah, the production is very slick. That album does, I gotta admit, the, the production's... A, if it was a little more grittier, it'd be a little... It'd be much well, better. I, I think that's when you give too much control to Roger Glover, I think you're gonna get a shine to it. Whereas, you know, those old ones with that Martin Birch... Yeah. production I, I i think you know it definitely serves it better you're right martin birch is a fucking wow man that guy maiden's classics uh deep purple black sabbath i mean that guy uh, was... blue oyster cold i mean even even fleetwood mac he produced like some good raw old albums that guy is uh, awesome that guy yeah, he, it, he, it's unfortunate he's uh in retirement you know yeah because he would have been great on the next thrasher die uh anyway so uh, that concludes our uh, Deep Purple thing, right? Oh, yes. wait, 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 wait. Let me let me go back, rewind a little bit. What were the bonus tracks on Fireball? Uh, the bonus tracks. Um, well, the first one was Strange Kind of Woman. It was a 96 re- uh, remix by Roger Glover. Okay. Sounds, sounds great. Uh, next one was a B-side to that called I'm Alone. I love that song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, good I have song. I have a CD. It's called Singles A A through Z or something that yeah. brings that song. That song has a great guitar 
riffing on that. That was the fireball sessions, huh? Yes. Interesting, yes. interesting. Okay, what else? Uh, after that is a song called Freedom, which didn't make the album. It's all right. I, right. Yeah, that, I think that's the one with the harmonies. Yeah, not, nothing to write Yeah, yeah, about. I think I know that one. Uh, after that is a song I really like called Slow Train. Oh, wow, I never heard that one. Oh, yeah, I, I really I really dig that song. Uh, do you have the re the remastered version, Luke? No, I've just got a bare bones CD version. Okay. Uh, then after that is uh, a Demon's Eye, a '96 remake done uh, remix done by Roger Glover's. You know, it sounds good, a little bit you know punchier, but nothing you know to write home about. Uh, after that is the Noise Ambient Society tapes, which is just fucking noise. It's like a Revolution Number no. Nine kind of thing. It's it's pointless and just takes up space. Right. Um, after that is uh, Fireball, the first take. Uh, they recorded of it, an instrumental version. They did it without Ian Gillen. And uh, it's really cool. It's really oh, cool. Oh, I, I believe that. I, that song without vocals would kick ass t as well. It's so good. Right, yeah, it, and it is. It, it sounds fucking good. I mean, and you can kind of hear like a different aspect of the song hearing it without the vocals. That, that's really neat. Makes you appreciate the musicianship that much more. Uh, after that is backwards piano, and uh, what that is is that's the backwards piano at the end of No One Came. You know that, that very Beatlesque, uh, you know, backwards shit. Uh, I mean, it sounds it sounds a lot better in the song than it does by itself. Uh, I will say that. And then the final track is a uh, another '96 remake. Uh, I'm sorry, remix by Roger Glover of No One Came. But you, right. can't, you can't tell that much difference. Very cool. Okay, so I guess it's time for Pick of the Week. It is time for Pick of the Week, and Steve Ennis, you are our guest. What is your Pick of the Week? My Pick of the Week is a classic slice of uh, American death metal. Um, it's a band called Massacre. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I played with them Beyond. once. From Beyond, oh, really? a classic. I did a gig with them, but unfortunately with without uh, Lee Harrison? Yeah, Lee something. Yeah, yeah Lee Harrison. Uh, but I did play a gig with them and Obituary nice. on the cool. same bill. Uh, yeah, great. that's a classic right there. Yeah, yeah. I love that, that is a That's a great album. Yeah. You know me, I've got. I've always got to throw out some love to some death metal when I come on the show, so... Well, well, since you weren't allowed to do it that much on Cribs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you make them review a, a Morbid Angel album? I yes. did, yeah. Oh, that was that, that's, that's. I wish I could hear that. Oh, I, I never heard it. I never heard it. Hear, hearing fucking Greg Barnes and fucking Terrence pretend they even listened to this shit and liked it. <laughs> it was no, so... no, I've got to say, Greg really does like that album. Really? Because it kind of yeah. sounded insincere. No, I've got to I, say, I, Greg does tell me all the time that he likes that album. I, I don't, I don't trust Greg. I, I think he is a spy for Terrence. He is a Martahari. <laughs> he is, he is a double agent, and uh, you know, never trust a man and his cat. You know, that's all I'm saying. All right, uh, what's your pick of the week, uh, Ian? All right, my pick of the week is what I feel is a criminally underrated album by the late great Ronnie James Dio. And that is Strange Highways. Oh, I agree with you a gazillion percent. Uh, holy shit. Uh, this is really, it's like Dehumanizer Part 2. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he stuck with the vein of, of Dehumanizer. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it was a, it was a hard time for Dio. Uh, he got dropped by Warner Brothers, and they pushed him down to their subsidiary reprise. It wasn't well promoted. Uh, I don't even know if a video came out for it. I know there was a single release. Uh, I think it was uh, Jesus, Mary, and the Holy Ghost. But I don't think there was a video. I could be wrong. But uh, just a great heavy album. I'm not such a huge fan of the guitar player at the time, Tracy G. But uh, compared to his past guitar players. But I just love the overall heaviness of this album. I think it's really good. And, uh, man, it came out in 94 in the, you know, height of grunge and just fucking disappeared. But I remember buying this motherfucker, like, right when it came out. And it was so poorly promoted, I didn't even know it was coming out. I just, you know, I lived in Chicago Records, which is a local record store where I grew up. And I just walked in there. They had, a you know, a whole section that was new releases. I was like, holy fuck, a new Dio album. Bought it. You know, got him. You know, I got that shit, and uh, I was just so happy. It's it's an incredible album. Jeff Pilson on bass, the return of Benny Apice on drums, and like I said, Tracy G on guitar. If if you love Dehumanizer, check this shit out. To me, it's his last great album. There's some other other albums he put out afterwards that I think are okay. I mean, I'll always find a song or two I like, but to me, this was the last great deal album. I have to agree 100%. That album is heavy. That song "Pain" is so awesome. Oh yeah. That, no, the whole I, there's not a bad song on that album. That whole album is great. I uh, agree. I saw that tour uh, in nice. a in a club. Unfortunately, nice. first time I met Dio. Uh, well, you know what? When I saw Sabbath on the Dehumanizer tour, was in a club. Wow. Well, yeah, I know. You told me that. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Where I Dan, saw him. Danzig opening up. Yeah, I saw it with Danzig too, but it was at the same place that I talked about earlier, Sunrise Musical Theater. Which holds about, I guess, a thousand. But anyway, uh, yeah, that that's an amazing, great pick, Ian. My pick um, is a classic Canadian metal band uh, called Helix. No, it's called Exciter. Oh, oh, I love Exciter. Uh, man, Violence and Force. Yes, my favorite Exciter. That yes, that is my favorite one. Uh, yes. Purchase that on the Amazon link. There is another version which brings the classic album Heavy Metal Maniac with Violence and Force. But another, another great one. Another great album, but don't buy that one because they omitted two songs. Uh, so oh, bullshit. yeah, so yeah, back in the early CD days, like I have a Nuclear Assault, Game Over, and the Plague. They omit two songs. I hate that shit. Some of those live albums. Yeah, they would always admit a song. Yeah, yeah it sucks. But anyway, so, uh, but this, yeah, get the full version, please. Uh, because I can't remember the songs they omit because I bought that CD and I was just so pissed. And But I still have them on vinyl. So I got to get on that Amazon link and get the full version on CD yes. form. But I have them all on vinyl. I have all Exciter on vinyl up to uh, Unveiling the Wicked. I love great, Exciter. Great pick. Yes. Uh, Violence and Force is my pick of the week, yo. Nice. All right, now we got to go into the fan of the week. And my fan of the week is, oh, I love this dude, James Gilman. Little kangaroo fucker from Australia. I always tease him, that little kangaroo fucker. Oh, my God. Uh, Great kid, man. He always adds a lot to the page, always has great posts. 
and he always busts my balls, and I, I like that. Not only can I give a joke, I can take a joke. I can't take a joke as well as his mom takes a dick, but I can take a joke. And uh, James Gilman, I love you, brother. You are my fan of the week. All right, now we got to go into the usual where we throw everything out. Of course, we got to talk about the one, the only, thatmetalstation.com. Holy fuck, Scott Green, does he do a great job with that? We're on there Sundays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, man, check it out. Awesome. Mike Tyler's got two shows on there, one on Tuesday and one on Fridays. You need to check that out. Also, it's home of the Joe and, uh, the Gully and Joe show, the rock show. You got to check that shit out, man. That shit's awesome. Also, check out our friends at Decibel Geek Podcast. Great friends of the show. Uh, always support us. Podcast. Uh, yeah, Podcast. Ken Mills at Podcast. You need to check that out. All great friends of the show. Ken Mills is going to be on a future episode with us. And, uh, and get your ass onto fucking iTunes. Because right now we have the contest on iTunes. Once again, go on there, leave us a five-star rating. Um, leave leave a, a great fucking review. Whoever leaves the most creative, funnest fucking review, and apparently you kiss Rouse ass the most, you will get a signed copy of the Combat EP. So, man, if that don't inspire you to get off your ass and write a review, I don't know what will. And, uh, and, and regardless, we just appreciate it. We really need people to go on, on iTunes because that really helps build the show. In this day and age, man, as many hits as we get, that's what sponsors look at is fucking iTunes. So please, if you could, go on there, hit subscribe, leave us a, a five-star rating and a review. Check out the YouTube. The YouTube page is back and better than ever. Ralph's got some amazing episodes on there. Any episode that you love, check out the YouTube version because it's just that much better to have the visuals behind it. If you're new to the podcast, check out the past episodes. I mean, we got 60-something fucking episodes, man, and every one of them will change your fucking life and will get you laid. So oh, well, well, no, no, come on. The early ones will not get you laid. Come on. Well, yeah, you could say, like, hey, you could have been with this guy. And, like, all right, yeah, and then she'll throw some pussy on you because you're cooler than Terrence. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, I did. I did. Fuck that motherfucker, that Baldini motherfucker. Uh, Stop messaging me, you bastard. Yeah, leave Luke alone. He's busy getting laid. Yeah. Yeah, you piece of shit. full head of hair. That's right. <laughs> Beautiful hair. Yeah, it's getting there long. It's getting long there, there. Luke? I like it. I like it. Uh, if you have an Android device, check us out on Podcast Attic. Uh, it's a it's a free app. You go on there, you type in uh, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. You get every episode. You can watch, you listen to it on your phone while you're at work. Do whatever. Check it out. Uh, Luke, while we got you here, is there anything you would like to plug? Anything you'd like to talk about? Not really, just go and find my YouTube channel. I don't post there that often, but when I do, I guarantee it's a lot of fun. Well, um, they can they can check out what's there already. What's the name of it? Yeah, my YouTube channel is just Luke Innes, my name. Uh, just type it into your, your search bar and you should find it pretty quick. Um, L-U-K-E-I-N-N-E-S. 
Yes. All one right, word, right? No, 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 it's two words. Oh, okay, it's all right, cool, words. cool, cool. But yeah, um, like I said, I've got me and, uh, me and Greg Barnes did a pilot for a podcast together, so that's up there. Um, I've got a project potentially coming up with, with uh, a previous guest on the show, Joe, um, who's also from the UK. We're possibly doing something else uh, together, a podcast together. Um, so stay tuned if you want to hear a little bit more about that in the future. But yeah, honestly, check out the YouTube page. Hopefully in the next few months there'll be a lot going on there. Um, obviously, I've, I've had a lot going on with moving house at the moment, so I've been able to upload on YouTube. But please, please do come join me on YouTube. It's a lot of fun over there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, brother. We know you're oh, gonna... it's my pleasure. My pleasure. We know you're going to be back in the future. Yes, you will. I mean, don't don't get worried, Luke. It might take a while, you know, because we're we're slackers, but we will definitely have you back. <laughs> That's right. And if you enjoyed this episode which I know you did, come back next week when our special guest host is U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump. I don't believe it's going to happen. Yeah, Donald Trump is going to show up, and we're going to talk about one of his favorite albums, the debut album from Menudo. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Yeah. That's, did that, did yeah, that one have Ricky Martin? He's, yeah. He says he doesn't like the Mexicans, but he lied. He loves them some Menudo, and we're going to hear about it next week only on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I can't believe Ian knew Ricky Martin was on the first Menudo album. I'm La Vida Loca, baby. Yeah, yeah. La Vida Homo. <laughs> Homo. Later. <laughs>